Earlier this spring at our home, we received an edition of Costco magazine. And as I was flipping through it, I noticed a title that, that caught my attention. I simply asked the question, why are you so tired? And it caught my attention because a lot of people since the pandemic have been saying, I feel so tired. And I have felt that way at times as well. People have experienced not just physical fatigue, but also mental and spiritual tiredness as well. A lot of people since the pandemic have been reluctant to work, even when the opportunity has opened up for people to return back to work in person. Many still prefer to work from home or not to work at all. During the pandemic, people said that it was difficult to not worship in person. It was, it was hard spiritually not to gather in person and worship. But now that we've been given permission to meet in person, some people have confided in me. Well, it was actually, it actually is really convenient to worship online in my pajamas. Now, the Costco magazine article gave some tips on how to boost our physical energy. They uh, recommended things like get adequate rest, eat nutritious food, take vitamins, and they also recommended a store where you could buy those vitamins in large supplies. <laughs> now, as we know, there are certain things we can do to raise our physical energy levels? Are there certain things we can do to raise our spiritual energy levels? Now, the dynamic between raising our physical levels of energy and our spiritual levels, there's, there's an interplay, but um, how we raise our physical level of energy and spiritual level is also different. When it comes to our physical well-being, we play the primary role. But when it comes to our spiritual vitality, our vibrancy in our life with God, the vitality of our souls, God plays the primary role. Now, we do play a role, but God is the primary player in the well-being of our spiritual lives. And on this first Sunday after Easter, we're going to begin a new sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Max Lucado is a pastor and author who reached out to me some time ago and mentioned that he's observing that a lot of people feel exhausted these days. And so this motivated him to write a book called Help is Here, Finding Str Fresh Strength and purpose in the Holy Spirit. And inspired in part by that book and drawing on certain passages of scripture in this sermon series, we're going to be looking at different images of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit as teacher and guide. The Holy Spirit as fire. The Holy Spirit as water, as oil, as seal, and so forth. Not long ago, I was uh, driving to the church and I parked our Honda CRV in the back parking lot. And then after a while, 
in the office, I uh, went back to our vehicle, tried to start it up, and it wouldn't start. I needed a jump. And thankfully, I was eventually able to connect with my colleague, Jade Halonia, and he had some jumper cables in his vehicle and was able to help jump my CRV so that I could get it started again. When it comes to our life with God and for God, we need to be connected to a power source beyond ourselves. We need to be plugged into the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, Jesus says, this is after Easter Sunday, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city of Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God. As Jesus promised, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would offer us your power, your presence, your life, so that we might walk with God and for God. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. So here in Luke 24, Jesus speaks about us being clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Acts chapter 2, we read about how the Holy Spirit came upon those first followers of Jesus and enabled them to speak in languages that they had never studied before. So these first followers of Jesus were mostly from the backwater of Galilee, so small town folks. And as the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost, they were able to describe the mighty works of God in languages that were foreign to them, that they had never studied. And people who had gathered in Jerusalem from around the world were able to understand who God was and his mighty works in their own languages. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force, but the third person of what theologians call the Trinity or the triune God. When this Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are empowered to do things that we cannot do on our own. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do is to live a life with God and for God. John Wesley, as you may know, was a person living in England in the 18th century. He was the son of a pastor. He was very devoutly religious. When he was a student at Oxford, he helped form something called the Holy Club. And I was just at the UBC site and asked them, do you have a Holy Club here at UBC? And people were shaking their heads, or at least no club called the Holy Club. And as part of the Holy Club, Wesley would read the Bible methodically, 
would um, fast twice a week, would visit folks in prison, would hold hands with people who were sick and dying and coughing up blood. And uh, uh, he was very religious, very dutiful, but he was also spiritually frustrated and felt far from God. He ended up going on what we would call a short-term mission trip from England to America. But when he was sailing back to England, he wrote in his journal, I went to America to convert those Americans, the, the natives. But oh, who will convert me? When he was almost 35, Wesley ended up in this um, Bible study one night on St. Aldersgate Street in Oxford. And someone in the group was reading the preface to the commentary on the book of Romans by Martin Luther. So it must have been quite boring. You know, this person's just reading not just even the commentary, but the preface to the commentary on the book of Romans by Martin Luther. It must have been quite dull. But Wesley describes that when the person was reading about how the heart can be changed when a person puts their faith in Christ... Wesley later wrote in his journal, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ and Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Wesley said, up until this point, it was like I had the faith of a servant. I was dutiful. But when I received the Holy Spirit in a fresh way on St. Aldersgate Street, I had the faith of a son. I knew that God loved me, that even my sins were forgiven. And he had this new power to walk in the ways of God. In the book of Ezekiel, God says through the prophet in chapter 36, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will be able to walk in God's ways, the prophet says, or God says to the prophet. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And Wesley and those who've received the Spirit of God have this new energy, this new power, this new motivation to walk in the ways of God, not just out of duty, but out of a place of desire and joy. Wesley found when the Spirit came upon him that he also had this new power to speak of Christ to others. And in Acts 1 8, as we read, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will receive power and we will be witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in some cases, to the ends of the earth. Last Sunday at our Easter services, I said that on the Friday when Jesus was crucified, almost all of his followers fled and went into hiding, afraid for their lives. They were fearful of being associated with someone who, because of the way he was executed on a cross, would have been seen as a dangerous criminal, as a threat to the Roman Empire. So they 
went into literal lockdown behind locked doors. But on that Easter Sunday, when they saw Christ risen from the dead and radiant, they knew that God could raise the dead, that God could raise them from the dead. And so their fear of death was, was taken away or largely taken away. And on that Easter Sunday, when Jesus met those original disciples who had almost in every case fled in fear, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that combination of the disciples seeing Jesus risen from the dead, knowing that God could raise the dead, and then receiving the Spirit, turned them from being these cowering, cowardly, would-be followers of Jesus to some of the boldest witnesses for Jesus that the world has ever seen. All the original disciples, except one, would voluntarily lay down their life for their proclamation that God had raised Jesus, his son, the Messiah, from the dead. They could have easily said, I don't believe that anymore, and been spared. But they didn't. They made that proclamation. They were incredibly bold. And one of the signs that the Spirit has clothed us with power is that we have this new boldness when given the opportunity to speak of Christ. I remember being a high school student, being in a social studies class, and the teacher was giving some lesson on Canadian history. I can't remember all the details, but at some point, he said the Presbyterians had a role in our country's history, and then asked the question, are any of you Presbyterians? At the time, our family was attending a Presbyterian church, but I remember not wanting to raise my hand. I didn't want to be seen as a Presbyterian. I didn't want to be seen as a Christian, even though I thought I was. I actually wasn't at the time, but I thought I was. And the reason I didn't want to be seen as a Christian was because I was spending so much time and energy trying to cultivate an image there in North Surrey of being this tough, cool guy. And I thought, raising my hand and saying, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm a Presbyterian, didn't even know exactly what that was, or I'm a Christian, would somehow hurt my image of being a tough guy or trying to be a tough guy. And then I actually met Jesus. I became what you might call a real Christian. And I experienced something of the Holy Spirit, though I didn't consciously know it at the time. And as this shy, awkward, superficial teenager, I actually wanted to talk to others about Jesus. I remember walking to football practice with some of my teammates and wondering, will there be an opportunity to speak about my faith and my relationship with Jesus? I remember inviting friends to events where they might hear the good news about Jesus. I was just uh, at our UBC site, as I mentioned, and uh, while there, I said, uh, when Santa Ona was the president, he spoke at 10th a few times, and during one of his talks, I remember him saying, that he had become a Christian and sometime after he had been appointed as an administrator, as the provost of Emory University in Atlanta. And a well-meaning Christian Jesuit colleague, a professor at the school, said, Santa, for the sake of your academic career, don't mention to others here that you are a Christian. The colleague meant well. But Santa thought about it, prayed about it, and thought, no, I am going to be public about my faith. Not obnoxious about it, but when opportunities come up, I will speak of my faith in Jesus. 
And I've heard stories about him going into a staff meeting at UBC and people are asking him, hey, uh, or he's asking them, how was your weekend? And then they'd say, how was your weekend? And he'd say, yeah, it was, it was good. And I went to church and worshiped. He was open about his faith. I recently finished the memoir of Bono. And Bono says that in the quote, Wicked world of rock and roll. You can talk about drugs and sex, but not about God. And because you're not allowed to talk about God in this world, I want to talk about God. Because if you tell me not to do something, I'll want to do it. But he also speaks of God as he has opportunity because the Spirit has come upon him. And whether you are an awkward teenager, as I was, or an administrator at a school, or a literal or a metaphoric rock star or a woman like Mary Magdalene whom Jesus had helped find wholeness. When the Spirit comes upon you, you will have this new energy and power to speak of Jesus when that opportunity comes up. And so, as the Spirit comes upon us and we're clothed with power, we're able to walk in God's ways. We're able to bear witness to Jesus. We also have a new joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, love, joy. You know, someone was asking me as I was preparing this message, if the joy of the Holy Spirit is like a runner's high, I think knowing that I, I do like to run. And I said, well, you know, it, it is in some ways similar, but in, in some ways it's quite different. I said, when I'm running after about 20 or 30 minutes, I will often feel this sense of being elevated. But the reason that's happening is because endocannabinoids are being produced in my brain, which mimic cannabis. And so I, or runners or swimmers, will feel this sense of euphoria at times. But that sense of euphoria is being produced within me, biochemically. The joy of the Holy Spirit doesn't originate within us, but in God, in God's Spirit, which then comes inside us and lifts us up and gives us joy. During the pandemic, I remember having a, a significant conversation with my friend, Christine Gorley. Christine is the granddaughter of my mentor and spiritual father, Leighton Ford, and so she feels like a part of our extended family, a kind of niece. And what she shared with me was, was really moving. And so I asked her if she would be willing to share part of her story with us. Now, at the time, we weren't allowed to meet in person. She was living in Seattle, but she was worshiping from time to time on our uh, 10th online platform. And so she agreed to share via video. And, and she said something like this. The pandemic has been really hard for me. I have felt intensely lonely. And she described how the previous summer she had broken up with her boyfriend and, and that was difficult, but there were other factors that made that season tough for her. Christine said, if you were to ask me, do you believe that God loves you? I would have said, yes, I, I, I believe that God loves me, but I didn't feel loved by God. And so I began to pray, God, would you reveal your love to me? And for about two months, nothing happened. And so I was annoyed at God. I decided I needed to get away on a little retreat. So I, I left Seattle, rented an Airbnb on one of the San Juan Islands south of Vancouver Island. And 
One day, I was in my Airbnb. It was just a dreary, depressing day, really rainy, dark, maybe a little like today here. And uh, she said, I was reading this book by someone who had been a devout Muslim and had encountered Jesus. And when he described encountering Jesus, it was like God actually came into the room. I had this warm sensation in my body and I began to weep, to sob. I didn't know what was happening. I felt convicted of my sins, but I even felt a greater sense of God's love for me, how much he cherished me. She said, after that, when I read the Bible, it was like I was reading the scriptures for the very first time. There was life, there was energy. The words were leaping out of the pages into my heart. And she said, though nothing outwardly had changed in my life in terms of circumstances, I returned to Seattle with a new joy and this new desire to tell others of Jesus. And she said, I was walking down a street in Seattle one day and I felt this urge to talk to someone who was homeless. And I thought, that's crazy. You don't do those kind of things. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But the, the, the impulse persisted to talk to this homeless person. So Christine said, I, I turned around at a kind of U-turn uh, while walking and engaged this homeless person. Now, it's not like since Christine has experienced the Spirit, there haven't been any disappointments or discouraging circumstances, but there's been a new joy in her life that can only be attributed to the presence of the Holy Spirit within her. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we had a number of baptisms, and at one of our services, a teenager named Nolan Lee was baptized. Nolan is 15 years old, and I've known Nolan pretty much his whole life. Nolan, before he was baptized, shared via video uh, that, uh, and, and you can see his and, and Bing's and other people's um, baptismal testimonies online, as well as their baptisms from last week. Nolan said uh, before his baptism via video, uh, I present as, as this happy and, you know, fun person. And, and I, I think he is. But then, with real transparency and courage, he said, but in recent times, I have been experiencing feelings of anxiety and depression. And when I heard about two friends who had taken their lives by suicide, thoughts of suicide began passing through my own mind. And as I lay in bed at night, I would feel this anxiety and this stress and one night I thought, I believe in God. I can talk to God about this. And he began to pour out his heart to God. And out of that, felt like he could confide in his, his, his wonderful parents, trusted friends. And Nolan said, as I spoke with God, it was like my holes of anxiety and my holes of depression were filled with God's love. He felt this solace, this strength as he talked to God. Uh, though he didn't use the word, uh, a kind of undercurrent of joy. It wasn't like after being with God and, and receiving something of the Spirit, he was singing that song, you know, from the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. <laughs> it wasn't like he was singing that song. But his baseline of joy 
was raised. And when we experience the Spirit, we have this new power to walk in God's ways, to bear witness to Jesus. And we have this new transcendent emotional resilience. We have this new joy. Now, walking in God's ways and the power to live a vital life with and for God comes primarily from God, from the Holy Spirit. But is there a role we play? Is there something we can do? And the answer is yes. And one of the things we can do is we can ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, which of you fathers, if your son or daughter asks for a fish, will give him or her a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, will give them a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We live before a generous and good Father God, as we were singing about earlier. And we can ask God, as Christine asked, for God to reveal his love to us, for God to send his spirit. You know, when my car battery was dead recently outside the church, I asked my colleague Jade to give me a jump, and he did. And we can ask God to give us the gift of his empowering spirit, and he will as we ask for that. What else can we do? We can, with God's help, avoid willfully sinning and not quenching the Spirit, grieving the Spirit, as Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. And when we sin, to ask for forgiveness. What else can we do? We can wait on God and learn to receive the winds of His Spirit. In a beautiful verse, at the end of Isaiah, God says to the prophet, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Eagles, of course, have to flap their wings at the beginning of a flight, but then they stretch out their pinions and they soar on the warm thermals, the warm columns of air that are coming up from the earth. When an eagle is just two months old, an, an, an eagle will stand in its nest, stretch out its wings, and learn to feel the rush of the wind. And an eagle will not jump out at any time of the nest, but an eagle will wait, either in the morning or the afternoon, for those warm columns of air to rise from the earth. Those, those warm winds rise from the earth, and then they set out in flight. They flap their wings initially, but then they stretch their wings, and they soar higher and higher on the power of those thermals. And so it is with us. If we want to soar on wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, we will learn to fly on the thermals, soar on the updrafts of the Holy Spirit who gives us power. Let's pray together. If you're here or watching online uh, and you're able to do so and would like to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or in a fresh new way, I invite you to Extend your palms upward as we often do at the end of the service before receiving the benediction. And 
have your hands in that posture of receptivity. It's a way of saying to God, I am open to whatever you want to bestow upon me. So with your palms facing the sky, if you'd like, you can pray. God, give me your Holy Spirit. I receive your spirit. And as you pray that, breathe in deeply. Receive the Holy Spirit. And as you exhale, get rid of any frustration, anger, preoccupation, anxiety, sin. Let that go. Breathe in the Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then exhale whatever you need to let go of. Receive the gift of the Spirit. As God hears your prayer and honors your desire. And not just now, but in the days and the weeks and the months to come, continue to receive the breath of God, the breath of the Spirit, because we tend to leak and live in the power of that Spirit. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>